Okay, I'd like for you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 through 58. Matthew 13. Jesus, we, we've been looking at Matthew, and Jesus has been over and over again revealing himself by Old Testament Scripture. Matthew lets us know that. He is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. The problem is, so many of the um, scribes and the Pharisees, they just stopped a little bit too short, didn't they? They stopped with the Old Testament, and they didn't listen to and see and open up their, have their eyes open to the truth that Jesus was fulfillment there. You've got to keep your eyes open even with the directions being there. You ever used GPS, isn't that it, uh, that you follow along and you gives you direction right? You gotta keep your eyes open and follow through with it or else you may stop too short. Now, Debbie and uh, we were going to uh, we were in separate vehicles, and we were going to a birthday party in, in Buford. And the GPS, when we arrived in the neighborhood, said, you have arrived. You, you know, you've been there, haven't you? You ever seen uh, wedding crashers? How about party crashers? We stopped about five houses too early. There was a bunch of cars out there. And so we just thought. It said we had arrived, and so we went in, and Debbie was introducing, and you know, and Grandma was letting us in, and she said, come on in. She said, who are you? And I said, well, I'm not with her or them. And I said, I'm, I'm just a party crasher. And I did not know at the time that we were a party crasher. And so we saw this pink, nice cake and all this, these sweets and all, and said, no, nah, this can't be the person we're going to a birthday party for because much older. Well, it wasn't. It was a little kid. And so we were in, and talking to everybody and said, who are you? And I said, well, I'm just party crasher. And Debbie said, well, we're, uh, this is, we're from uh, Forest Heights Baptist Church, Athens. Uh, isn't this the birthday party for so-and-so? I said, No. And so they were real kind and everything as, as we were leaving. And Debbie was quickly trying to exit. Uh, uh, they said, you know, take some dessert with you. And I said, honey, y'all go on and I'll just stay here. And they kind of looked at me weird like. And, but uh, we went out and got in the vehicle and drove down the road. They showed us where the house was. And uh, they were laughing as we were leaving. And we were laughing as we were leaving uh, Better be careful about stopping too short. <laughs> uh, that, was a, that was a highlight of my day yesterday. It really was. <laughs> okay, Matthew 13, 47 through 58. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea. Now, this is big net where they've got numerous people and they're dragging it towards the shore they're working it towards the shore catching everything in sight or everything in its way and gathering fish of every kind and when it was filled they drew it up on the beach they sat down and gathered 
the good fish into containers, but the bad they threw away. So it will be in the end of the age. The angels will come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You do not cease to exist whether you're a Christian or you're a non-Christian. Unfortunately, because of our rebellion, because of really the fallen angels, hell was prepared. But because of us refusing, anyone refusing the grace of God, the gospel, they choose that place. This is a brief description of it. Have you understood all these things? Now this is important. You see the progression? Have you understood all these things? Because beforehand, what, who asked the question with the other parable? The disciples. You remember when he first started talking, about, uh, talking with parables? They said, why are you talking in parables? And he said, because some see, but they do not see. Some hear, but they do not hear. And they do not understand. And so he went on to explain that parable later on. And so here we come to, so it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And Jesus said to them, Therefore, every scribe, and, and you say, what in the world? How does this get thrown in there? We'll get to it in just a few moments. Therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household who brings out his treasure, things new and old. Now, when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed from there, and he came to his hometown and began teaching them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, this is them saying to him and to each other, where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Is not this a carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. They didn't rejoice. Jesus' population had reached the peak. They had heard about him. Here he was before them. They took offense. Why? But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not uh, without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Thank you for your wonderful love and grace and God for each and every believer here today and I just pray that you'll enrich their minds and their hearts as they allow the spirit to speak to them further. But I pray that if there's any lost and without Christ today that uh, they might allow their eyes of their heart to be open to the truth and that they might receive you as their personal Lord and Savior. Whether it's been misconceived in their minds and they thought that they were believers and have been 
uh, it's been revealed to them that they are not today or whether they've never, they know that they've never received you. I pray that you open up their eyes to their heart so that they might see and that they will receive it and see it. Thank you, God, for your wonderful grace. It can't be done without it, and so I just pray that its sufficiency will be felt and experienced in our life as we look at the Scripture and have it open to us and the Holy Spirit reveals it to us. In Jesus' name, amen. We have how many Gospels? How many Gospels do we have? Four. But when you talk about Gospels, so often you hear people referring to three Gospels. Now why is that? Who, what three Gospels are they referring to? Usually they are referring to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they call these the what? Synoptic Gospels. Now what in the world are these? These are Gospels with narrative information, information that's similar in that they carry much of the same material concerning the story of Jesus. They're following the story of Jesus. Each one, though, contributes, each one comes from a different angle and contributes uniquely to its listeners. In other words, its base that it's being written to and for primarily. Matthew, now there is another gospel and that is the fourth gospel we call the gospel of John. It kind of stands out by itself. Why? Because it's more of a theological gospel. And its theological work many times explains the story and what has gone on in the narrative form in the other gospels. So Matthew is unique in that it is a bridge. Just think of a bridge. We're talking about stopping short. It is a bridge between the Old Testament and the New. One of Matthew's primary concerns, and you'll see this over and over and over again, is to show the fulfillment of prophecy in Jesus. The Messiah has come. The King has come. The Kingdom has come. So, it begins at the very onset of its gospel where you are told in the narrative form and in the chronological order of the names and, and, and the, uh, the outline of the names, uh, uh, the historical names going back. You see that his purpose, is, his names are different in, in uh, location and, and the way that they're written than Luke. And the reason is, is because he is going back, as he mentions with this, and he starts out at the very first, the son of David. He wants everyone to realize and understand from the very beginning that Jesus is the fulfillment, the Messiah. And so it is told in that fashion. It starts out that way. And we are told that even his birth, his infancy, happen in order what? In order that the scriptures might be fulfilled. So Matthew is very important in the sense that it's trying to get across the message. The Holy Spirit inspired Matthew to write this material down 
so that the, the readers would understand that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. He is the Messiah. Now we need to re remember that when we read the Gospels, we have all of this information before us. And you've got to understand that and remember that the disciples didn't have all of this, did they? They had Jesus who walked with them, but they didn't have all the scripture written down at that time. Matter of fact, Matthew had written this later on. And so the disciples and others did not have all the puzzle put together for them. And little by little has been revealed to them. It's kind of like as we grow. We except we have everything before us that we need, but the puzzle begins to be put together little by little. We come by faith believing in Jesus Christ, but we don't understand a lot of what the Scripture says. But as we grow in Christ, more and more is revealed by way of the Holy Spirit. Just like more and more was being revealed to the disciples. And so... We know that Jesus is the Son of God. Matthew lets us know this. He is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Now the disciples, as I said, it's progressive. The disciples believed and they followed, but more and more was being unveiled to them. And by the time we get to Matthew chapter 16, what happens there? Jesus asked them a question. Who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some say what? Elijah. Some say Jeremiah, some say some, one of the other prophets. And then what did he say? He said, but who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? You see, there was confusion as to who the people thought Jesus was. After they answer him, but who do you say I am? Peter says to him, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He says, you didn't have that by your own, Peter. You didn't receive that by your own. It was given to you by the Father. Now, until we get to chapter 16, Matthew, we, do not, we don't have from the disciples anything that clear. And so we do not know, uh, you know, anything as far as where they are except they're progressively coming along and they're trusting the Lord we know that they are learning from Jesus, and we know that it's a progressive thing. Now, there were some, though, who did understand who Jesus was. In Matthew chapters 13 and 14, we know that the demons understood who Jesus was, didn't they? They're spiritual beings. They understood fallen angels. Not only that, even some who were not Jews understood who he was. We'll be coming to the Syrophoenician woman who uh, wanted to be healed. And what did she identify Jesus as? The son of David. Now here was a non-Jewish person identifying Jesus in Jewish terms. She had it revealed to her. The Jewish people around her, they didn't even see this that she saw. But in chapter 13 of Matthew, we begin with the parable of the sower of the seeds, or of the, uh, the sower and the soils. You remember that? And this is Jesus talking in parable terms, and it has to do with evangelism. And it has to do with the different conditions of the heart. 
and all of our hearts are hard before we come to know the Savior. The conditions of the soil tell us different responses of the heart to the hearing of the word, the response of the gospel. It tells us everything about the heart, where that person is. The hard heart refuses to listen. It fell on hardened path on the side of the road. The rocky soil, the superficial response. The thorny soil, the hearts that are confused and conflicted. And then the hearts that have been, you know, with, you know these are the ones with mixed priorities and, and allegiances. But then there is finally the good soil where the hearts immediately receive the word. And in chapter 13, the disciples asked Jesus, as I said earlier, why do you speak in these parables? And that is a background that's very necessary for the passage today. Jesus told them they spoke to them in parables because seeing they did not see, hearing they did not hear, they did not understand. Jesus then explains the parable and then enters into a cycle of more parables after this parable of the, um, the soil. He talks about the mustard seed and the growth of the kingdom. He talks about uh, the leaven, the growth of the kingdom. And uh, then uh, it's very contagious. It's very viral. It spreads invisibly and spreads transformatively. And then, uh, you know, you can see this. I mean, you just put a church in a certain condition, in a certain situation that's right. The soil is right. And you wonder why in other places of the world uh, and in other states or other places of the city, other churches are not growing like this because this has been placed in the right place and the, the gospel goes viral. You put one church in the right place with the right people and that's what will happen. And then you see a Christian sometimes. Other Christians are in other parts of the, the town witnessing. And then all of a sudden you see this person with people gathering around him. The soil is ready. It's receptive. It's viral through that person. Next, the parable of treasure found in the field. How valuable the, the kingdom, the gospel is. Following that parable was a pearl. Same thing. And it talks about a very transformative value here. In other words, this is what happens uh, to anyone who accepts Jesus as Savior. This is especially seen in older adults when they accept Jesus as Savior uh, later on in their life. With that acceptance comes a great transformation. You see, wow, that person has really changed. You may not see that in a child, and you probably won't, but in an older person you will. And the things that we hate, you see in that person, they now love. And the things that they love, they now hate. This is not self-transformation I'm talking about. The, you know, you won't find this in some self-help book. A lot of people want to, but they can't. This is the Holy Spirit transforming the life. The things that we need to yearn for, we no longer, or we used to yearn for, we no longer yearn for them. We begin to yearn for the things of God, something that wasn't a desire to us at one time. And it happens in the invisible realm by the Holy Spirit. I was talking with someone this week. They were talking about that person that they were kin to them trying to witness to him, they said, well, 
why, why does preacher always talk about hell? Why does he uh, talk about that? Why can't he, he be more uplifting? Why can't he be more enjoyable? Why can't he be, you know, uh, more uh, appealing to the heart? Well, when there's transformation within the heart, you begin to see. You begin to see that the reason is, is because you understand that God has transformed you from darkness to light. And from that darkness meant that there was judgment to now light, which means that you have forgiveness in Christ. So he goes and he starts talking about this parable of the dragnet. And Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to a dragnet cast into the sea, gathering fish of every kind. Once again, one listening to this parable, they understood it. They knew as, as being from near Galilee, they understood what fishing was. In the dragnet, you never know what you're going to get, what your catch will be. And we're told that when it was filled, they drew it up to the beach and they sat down and gathered the good fish into the containers, but the bad fish they threw away. They pulled the net full of fish to the shore where they started to separate the good fish from the bad. And they threw away the bad. So what is the deeper meaning? Jesus begins to reveal its meaning with verse 49. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels shall come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you remember the wheat and the tares? You remember him talking about that parable? We've been going through the book of Matthew. And he said basically the same thing, didn't he? These are two bookends right here with the other parables put in between there. These two talk about the judgment at the end. That will come. He said in the wheat and the tare, the wheat and the tare will grow together. They got discouraged about this. They were confused about this. They said, you know, they're going to be with us. Will the gospel be effective? Then he talks about the kingdom of God with the mustard seed and the leaven and, and how valuable it is. And, and he said, yes, it will be successful. It will be very viral. And then now he goes back to, but let me remind you. Why? Because he's putting this challenge out before us. He's letting us know the importance of making sure that we get the word of God out, that we live the Christian life. Why, why do we evangelize? Well, we evangelize because we want to see people saved that honors and glorifies God. Yes. But we evangelize also, and that should be number one, but we evangelize and there's nothing wrong with this because we have a concern for lost people going to hell. Now, if we don't have that, if that's not burning in our hearts and our souls, then we are not going to be living out the Great Commission. It's just, it won't happen, people. If we are not concerned, truly concerned, 
that they have an opportunity to be saved, that God has called us here and that he wants us to witness to them. That's why he gave us a great commission. And to disciple those who believe, then if we don't believe that, then we are not going to be carrying out the mission of the church. And we will not have a heart developing like Jesus would have us to have. He wept as he looked over the community and saw them without what a shepherd. So we see that there is a coming judgment. And yes, we should be thankful and we should be obedient as we are thankful to what God has done in our hearts and our life by honoring God with our faithfulness. But there should be a conviction with that. And if we don't have it, then we need to pray for it. We need to pray that God will reveal to us what would have happened to us if we had not been saved. Romans and Ephesians tells us, for all have sinned. The wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he tells us over in Ephesians, For by grace are you saved through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's all about the grace of God, but that doesn't mean that we are not to be obedient as Christians. It's because of what Christ has done we will not face a great white throne judgment. But people, that's real. There are people who will die and face a great white throne judgment and spend eternity in hell. Now I know once you start burning in your heart you'll want to try and manipulate people in heaven. You can't do that. It's got to be the Holy Spirit. You see this person I was talking about earlier. Why do they always talk about judgment? Or why do they, why does preacher mention about hell in this church all the time? Well, he's got a concern for the lost. And with that concern, he wants them to come to know the Lord. But see, that person cannot see that. And I told this person that was witnessing to their relative, their kin, I said, they cannot see it. You cannot force them to see it. Just be faithful and pray for them. Keep inviting them and keep sharing. So Matthew lets us know there's a clear distinction here. There's going to be a judgment illustrated in the parables. Wheat and the tear and the dragnet. And uh, earlier he, he had shared with us about this, that Christ, the Son of Man, uh, he says uh, he will be the Lord, he's the Lord of salvation, and he's the Lord of hosts. And the field is, is full of good seeds and, and uh, bad seeds, the tares, the wheat and the tares. Uh, there's two identities, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of hell, or, or hell, if you will, not kingdom, but hell. And the tares are the sons of the evil one, uh, which is the enemy, the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. The reapers are angels. 
And he says in verse 49, so it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth and take the wicked from among the righteous. And I know that we think about angels, and this time, especially around Valentine's Day, and we think of the uh, sweet little child uh, shooting the arrow and has wings on them and all that. And, and we like to think of them as creatures bringing good news and looking out over us and all this kind of stuff. Well, all that may be true, but they're also known as warriors, messengers of fire. And we have them come, even coming and, and announcing Christ's birth, great, wonderful birth. But do you remember in Luke when they came to the uh, uh, shepherds in the field by night and they appeared to them and they said, fear not. What? Don't die. Judgment has not come upon you. I've got good news. We have an announcement for you, in other words. So they will be angel, uh, agents used by God to separate the kingdom of, of uh, God's people from non-kingdom people. And then we see that uh, there, there's, a, as I mentioned earlier, and I won't uh, go much more on that, there's a motivation for evangelism, ultimately the glory of God. But it's not wrong to be concerned about where these people are going to spend their eternity and the place of judgment. It'll be a place where, and I've heard this over and over. You know, I read just recently about a singer who said, I want to go to hell when I die because I'll be with my friends there. I want to tell you, it will not be a place where old friends reunite. There won't be any friendships. It will not be a place where good old boys enjoy their good old times. It will be a place of torment. Listen to it. And will we'll cast them into the furnace of fire, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Notice that it's a place of torment forever. And it is not a place where dead people cease to exist. It is an existing place, a place where one will wish that he or she never went. No joy, no love, no happiness. Can you imagine that? Only torment. Torment like you've never experienced before. And the torment is forever. Never having a chance to uh, change. Never having a chance to get relief. Now then we come to... Uh, this example of the scribe who's become a disciple. He says, so this is what is being revealed to you. He's saying, this is why I, I, I'm, I'm speaking in parables. Some see, but they don't see. Some hear, but they don't hear. But, and they don't understand, but you who do. That's why I ask you the question. Did you understand? This is what will become. In verse 51, have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings forth out of his treasure things new and old. Jesus gives us a good example of what a teacher should be. He says, Do you understand? Now, it's not because he's inquisitive. He's, he's curious that he doesn't know. He knows. But he wants them to understand. This is why he's asking he had asked them earlier, and they had asked him earlier. Why do you speak in parables? 
And he told them. Now he says, do you understand? Did you get it? It's kind of like a test. And their reply was yes. And the yes helps us explain why the disciples see what they see and hear what they hear. It helps to explain why they follow Christ when everyone else doesn't. It helps us to understand why in chapter 16 Peter was ready to say, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus says in verse 52, Therefore every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household who brings forth out of his treasure things new and old. That's very important. Things new and old. When you go to a home, we, I, I was blessed just recently. Jimmy took me to a pecan uh, orchard where they uh, picked pecans, and uh, it was very interesting. They put them through these conveyor belts and all this kind of stuff, and they showed us how they did it. It was really neat. I mean, they went out there the first time, uh, they, they went out there with these uh, tractors with these uh, uh, things underneath there that picked them up, you know. And then they'd sh- shove them into this basket behind there and, and they picked up all these pecans. And then they took these and they dumped them into the, the ground in this hole and, and uh, then they, uh, uh, it took them up this com- conveyor belt and it would take them around and it, measured the lightness and the heaviness it was neat and the light ones that didn't really have good meat in it you know it would separate it and the heavier ones would go into another and then they'd take these and they'd they'd run them through this thing and they'd collect them in this big old basket and they'd take them off and and they'd have them shelled he he talked about the barn out back where they were uh, planning on putting a new one build a new one where they would have a place where they would shell it themselves and they showed us a freezer where they were boxed up and all this after that, and they took them out to the, uh, uh, the businesses to sell. It was really neat, and this guy, he was so interested in it that you could tell it. I mean, he just went through every little detail. He wanted to show us every little thing. And he'd say, these are the old tractors that we used to use. These are new. This is old equipment. This is new. You see, this is what he's talking about. You ever been to a farm where you've gone into the farmhouse, you saw these pictures, old pictures, and how it used to look and all this, and how it used to be run, and now they have this new machinery and and bigger barns and all this, and they say, well, this is what used to go on, Grandpa so-and-so, and and, uh, we basically do the same thing, but now it's, it's done with this. This is a disciple. This is what he's talking about. He's saying, you understand? Yes, we understand. Okay. He's going to give them the great commission. Go out and what? Be disciples. To teach. To baptize. You take the old. And what the scripture, and this is what Matthew is doing. You're taking the old and you're fulfilling it. And showing it fulfilled in Jesus. Wow. This is what we do with the whole Bible, don't we? We take the Bible and put it together. And we show the old fulfilled in the new. Man, it's great, isn't it, what he did? And this is what he's telling them. 
Therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household. This is a head of a household. This guy that I visited, he was the head of the household. He enjoyed telling us about this. People, we should enjoy telling the good news. But then he ends by, with the story of going back home. He wanted them to know even though you're going to do this. Familiarity will cause a person not to hear so often. He went back to his hometown, and what happened? They said, hey, isn't he the son of Joseph who married this woman, Mary, who was pregnant with child? Doesn't he have other brothers? And he says, he has the audacity to say that he is the Messiah and that he has a kingdom and he is a king of the kingdom. And what did they do? They got upset. Intensity begins as you share the gospel some will hear he's letting them know some will refuse some will receive but even at that he lets them know be the kind of household that continues faithfully sharing bring that old into the new and let them know the way. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I just want to thank you that